This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Now carries it to center. Turned it over to Brink. It's a partial break for Farabee. Back into the left wing. Cuts to the forehead. He scores! A beautiful goal by Joel Farabee in transition after the turnover at center by Zadorov. Hughes brings it to center. Floats it left wing for Joshua. Into the Flyers zone. Driving the goal in front for Bluger. He scores! Well, that's a great way to start the third period as Teddy Bluger makes it 3-1. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. Haley, he dumps it into the Vancouver zone, skates onto it near side. Passes into the slot. Here's a chance all low grade save by the Smith, but they score on the rebound. A shorthanded goal in front of the net by Garnet Hathaway, and it's 4-1 Flyers. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks get outplayed and out-efforted by the Philadelphia Flyers as they win 4-1 over the Canucks. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show presented by the number 5 Orange, Satyar Shaw with Vic Nazar. And we will bring in Randy Jen into the discussion in just a moment. Get your phone calls in. 604-280-0650. Toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. You can also hit us up on our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox, 650-650. And it's one of those games where... Listen, it, the Canucks, they came into this game, top team in the Western Conference, tied for the most points in the league. However, obviously, uh, Rangers had games in hands and point percentage and all that. But nonetheless, Canucks have been a top five team by point percentage coming into this game. And you know what? You can always critique a game, and it's easy to look at this one and, and be you know angry and all that. At the same time, it is one game. However, having said all that, it's only one game. Uh, maybe their worst performance they've had on home ice and very disappointing considering how they played last time they met these two, these team, this team, the Flyers, in Philly earlier this season, where the coach spoke about their effort not being good enough, they got outplayed, uh, and even perhaps questioned their toughness. Were you soft a little bit? And with all those things considered, and I know there's been a layoff, just not much of an, much of an excuse for what happened here tonight. Yeah, one thing's for sure. Uh, you don't have Philadelphia on the schedule. <laughs> That's probably a good thing because this is not an easy <laughs> team. It's not the matchup for the Canucks. And, guys, it really comes down to that 206 in the, the second period. They were lucky to be level after 20. I think we all understood that, the jump that Philly had. Casey DeSmith makes some big saves in the first period. But the 206 is where he crumbled in that moment. And, you know, mistakes, right? We talk about how this team doesn't allow mistakes to compound. That 206 is where, sure, you take a penalty, the goal after that happens, which is just really easy for Philly to skate up the ice. Konechny's got all the time in the world uh, to make a play. A little bit of luck there with the tip it, tip pass, if you want to call it that. And then the third goal, guys. Uh, that's one that I think Rick Tockett will not like because it's, what have we heard from him? Playing quick, right? Making those quick passes. Yeah. Uh, going with your, th- your, your first choice. And that's one where Zadorov's just hanging on to the puck. Uh, that... You can't make those mistakes. And I know it's rust. I know it's coming out of Christmas break and all that, Bick. But to me, it's that 206, that that kills you right there. The the third goal is so inexcusable because seconds before that, the puck was literally poked away from him. Yep. And he got to go retrieve it and said, try again. And it's not as if you found a crease and went up ice. Like 
Two two players there. The first guy stopped. He literally yeah. skated into the press. Like I was making the joke on. Oh, the half court trap. Half, yeah, I I was making the joke. <laughs> I'm like, I, they ran into the half court trap like me playing point guard in high school. Like you know, just going right into that trap and then you turn the ball over. Next thing you know, it's it's an easy basket going the other way. And that's exactly what happened. And those are the types of mistakes you really can't be making. And the Flyers goad you into making those mistakes. You know, they're they're going to play mistake free hockey, be on top of you on the forecheck, work their butts off. They will not be outworked. That's like their mantra. Yep. No matter what happens, we will not be outworked. And they aren't. Usually weren't. And it's just those types of mistakes. And I, I think the second goal, too, you know, for as good as Teddy Bluger's been, I just don't understand what lane he's taking yeah. on the three-on-two. I mean, Hughes is going down the middle. Bluger's also going down the middle. It's like nobody's paying attention to Sean Walker. And that's not how they've defended the rush. And, and you know, just kind of giving away cheapies, not defending the rush well. The types of things that we've been crediting this team for doing well, they were not doing well tonight. And, you know, when you're coming back from a layoff, it's – there's a certain element of rust or whatever getting back into it. But Philly brought it. Philly was ready to go. They were skating uh, in the opening 20. And the fact that the Canucks did not allow a goal there, hey, that gives you a bit of a warning shot to mm-hmm. say, you better wake up, otherwise this team's going to be jumping Yeah, I will say they were unlucky in a couple of plays because Manko's shot hits Atkinson's sure. skate. Mikheyev, Everson's not even looking, and it yeah. goes off his shoulder. But that was a heck of a save by Atkinson, really. It was, yeah. like, it was kind of like Roman Yossi's might be the best non-goalie goalie in the NHL after his uh, save last yeah. week. Uh, Atkinson, great. Uh, but, but overall, you're right. over yeah, 20, though, I think they were still the second-best team, right? But, but there were opportunities for them sure. to score. Uh, but yeah, certainly in that second period, and the Canucks have been so good in the second yeah. period uh, so far this season. And it was, you know, Sat and I were messaging, me and Reach were talking. It was like, is this a good, boring, or bad, boring game so far? And it was just kind of methodical and nothing really happening. And then boom, boom, boom. And you just kind of look up and say, okay, are, are these the moments we still kind of look out for for this team of – in the moments of conflict, in the moments when when there's a big blow, how do you respond in those? And to be honest, like so far this season, through 35 games, it said, hey, they've responded to a lot of these ones. But this one kind of was kind of against, it, it may have been closer to what we've seen in the past, but as far as the character of this season's team, it, it was a, a, a big departure from that. I think the bringing up the, the moving the puck out of your own zone and just not playing fast, that going after your first option, right? Uh, first available option, that's really where it felt like Philly was feasting on them, where, hey, mm. you know the four-check is going to be, that's what their game is. And the more we saw that fourth line of Philly coming in and, and making a difference, like Garnet Hathaway uh, was a was a player in this game where he scores that shorthanded goal, but there's also elements of, you know, his four-check being constant throughout the night. The more you see that line, that tells you something. Because we saw throughout, even in that third period where they were playing in the defensive zone, I think it was Pedersen in the second period going in with speed. They create a chance. That's how that fourth line should be treated when they're on the ice. This is not the fastest of lines, but what you saw was them being on the forecheck so much and the Canucks not being able to get the puck cleanly out of their own zone. So really that's where it started for me. And, you know, that's been a focus of this coach to say, hey, when that first option comes up, whether it's Noah Juleson, whether it's Nikita Zadorov, whether it's Tyler Myers, doesn't matter who the defenseman is, Quinn Hughes for that matter, you got to make that play in. Credit to Philly. They brought it. They got the battle level. But I think that lack of execution, guys, is something that's going to bother the coach. Yeah, and we'll hear from the head coach as soon as he uh, uh, takes to the podium and, and shares his thoughts. And, you know, uh, he's been curt every once in a while, but not too often. And, in fact, Eddie Gregory was mes- messaging me and asking, over, under for how long his press conference is? Four and a half minutes. For tonight? Tonight. He'll oh, be over. More I'll questions. take the over. I'll take the over. I don't think he'll be irate, but I'm sure he'll be critical so the, of how they play. The last time he did that was the Jersey game, mm-hmm. which, um, and to, to his credit, yesterday at practice, he had a 15-minute scrum, boys. Like, yeah. he's, he's, he's holding court. He, he, might, he might go short for that reason because he's talked a lot this week. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the over on four and a half. Yeah, so, so I mean, you know, we, we talked. I, I'm with you. I, I'll take the over, but we'll see ultimately how perturbed he may yeah. sound. But so we, we mentioned, okay, how the Canucks lost this game, right? Critical mistakes, didn't match the energy, and obviously, you know, weren't able to take advantage of, of the little offense they were able to generate. Does it mean anything big picture? When you look at this game and say, hey, this is a Flyers team that works its butt off. They've played them twice now. They've had trouble against these fast, aggressive forechecking teams. They got one goal in, in six periods of play against them, outworked both games. Is this a sign of something, or is it just a game? Is it just a loss? To me, it's a game because they haven't, what, lost back-to-back games since mid-November, guys, mm-hmm. even before that. So until a trend develops, you don't worry about it. And this is first game out of a, an extended break. Uh, you're trying to warm up a little bit, and even though practice was good, and Rick Tockett mentioned that, hey, the guys practiced, practiced really, really well, uh, until you hit the ice on game time, you never really know how guys are going to respond after a long layoff. So it's, to me, it's an anomaly uh, outlier for now. Uh, it only becomes worrying if you see it two or three games. And I understand some folks might be saying, hey, the San Jose game wasn't clean either, and that's a game where you give up four goals to a bad team, but you still get two points heading into Christmas break. Like that game to me was a you're ready to go on vacation. It's the final day of school, and you're just like, I want to get this done. Uh, to me, this game, it's the first one back. The next one is the one I look at to say, do you bring it that game? Because they won't have any excuses at that point. The game this reminds me of is the Chicago game we just saw here recently. Sure. Now there's a big gap between Chicago and Philly right now. But I think that's the point is in against Chicago, you can play for 20 minutes and get your result. Yeah. Tonight, they tried to do that, and you see the difference. of The Canucks, to me, aren't at a stage where they can dominate like the mid-tier teams. Mm. They can do it against the bottom tier, and we've seen it against San Jose. We've seen it against Chicago where they can play hard for 20, 25 minutes, put up a couple of goals, and walk out with two points against this level of team. In Philly, I, I don't think they're at a stage where they can do that yet. So, is it a one-game blip? Yeah, and what it means for the season, they'll recover. They'll be fine. But also, if you're looking at a macro vo- point of view, what does it mean of, of where they are? This is where I kind of push back on the idea of people who get mad at us. So like, they're first in the league, and they're doing this. It's like, okay, but like if you just rated them versus the other teams, they're to me, they're just that, that next tier. So, against a team like Philly, you, you clearly can't going to coast for 20 minutes unless you put up like five goals and one thing's for sure the coach is going to use this game maybe like he did against philadelphia in philadelphia to Mm -hmm. say hey at that point you might have not known what this team was that you're playing this is the second time around Mm -hmm. you know what they were going to bring and you didn't match it so and you had rest you had everything exactly and and that's where i think this is going to be a a bit of an eye-opener as well to say okay to your point you know playing a period playing 40 minutes is not good enough against teams that are looking like they're going to go to the playoffs or at least in that position right now. Yeah, and, and, and that kind of, that's kind of where I'm struggling with the game. And I understand what Bick is saying, and I don't disagree big picture-wise. That is what we talk about. The Canucks are their full value for how they played sure. so far this season. They're not quite in the Vegas tier. They're that tier below. But how do they get there? I'm just reluctant to look at any single game generally and be like, well, this is a sign of why, why or why not, for yeah. instance, right? But when they play a really good opponent – and they show well, and they perform, we talk about how they show they can match up and hang. So I do think you have to allow for the discussion points about, is this a game where it shows where you're lacking? And I have a hard time pinning this loss on any individual player because there are a number Mm -hmm. of guys not having it. But it's also the type of game that if one of your stars takes a hand, takes over the game, maybe it changes. If you have another guy that can take over a game, does that increase your chances for a night when you don't have it and the third line doesn't have it, that who's going to be the guy that drags you into it? And I think that's fair to talk about. I'm just not sure this is the game that proves or disproves that. 
but it's easy to look at it and say, hey, they're certainly going to use somebody, anybody, to drag them into it tonight. It felt that like that second period was that moment where you're looking for that effort or that, that moment to say, is it Pedersen? Is it JT Miller? Is it a line that really you know, stands up and says, hey, we got this? Even though you might not have the best stretch, but what did we see? We saw the lines in a blender, right? And we've been talking about it. I know you guys have been talking about it on, on your shows as well, of the missing piece potentially of who's that straw that strews a drink on a line. And ideally, you want your centermen to do that because mm-hmm. they're two best offensive players along with Quinn Hughes as well on the back end. But right now, the way that Rick Tockett is experimenting with that top six, trying to find something, whether it's Garland, whether it's Suter, whoever it may be, it does tell you that right now, that top six, you just need something. You need that spark. And in some games, you're just, you know, the fact that we're applauding the third line is a great thing. They've been able to put up points, but that also does take away from the conversation of, all right, when the third line, to your point, Sat, is not able to maybe pick up a multi-point game, all right, where is it coming from? And and that's going to be something that until, you know, you start seeing a, a couple-point, yeah. multi-point game from one of those guys or one of those li- uh, lines, uh, it's going to be front and center for this team. And it's all positive. They're still, you know, playing really, really well. But when we start talking about March and April, those are the discussions you want because you got to win your matchups. If you're going to the playoffs, that's what it's about. Is your line beating the opposition's line, and are you consistently winning those matchups? We, we seemingly can't go more than two games without a change in the top six. Well, one thing that would help that is more credibility of players in that top six so you don't have to keep rotating. And if there's one more, you know, strong level player well that player is not going to come out of the top six and i'm talking about someone that's better than like brock besser that's that's kind of what i've been mentioning here over and over again i I don't know if there's going to be a resolution to that this year but at some point it needs to change because you can't just keep doing this rotation okay well hogan is not really going tonight now here comes pew Suter into the top six and that has a shelf life to it and it's not really fair to those two guys of every two games they're just being rotated is hoaglander better served to to, because he was winning as a fourth liner and I don't say a fourth liner, it's a bad thing, but he was productive and crushing those roles. Is he better suited to just go back to that spot, gain the confidence there, rather than doing this yo-yo thing every two games? We talk about predictability and trust as being something that line mates love that, right? Knowing where your teammates can be. Coaches love that too. When they have predictability and trust on their top six, that makes their life yeah. a lot easier. It's not ideal. Uh, it, sorry, it is ideal. It's not common in the NHL. You have to put the lines in the blender, but that's kind of what is maybe – despite the nine-game point streak up until tonight, I was one of the constants where you're still searching for that answer. You're searching for that truth in your top six that you're not necessarily getting, and that storyline is kind of continuing tonight. Well, it was interesting uh, listening to the coach yesterday. I believe it was Randy and You were there, and he, and he held court for a good 15 minutes, like you said. Put in a shift. Yeah, he, he certainly did, right? <laughs> but, but one of the things he kind of mentioned, too, like he didn't disagree that they've been sloppy defensively, and he did and he. And he didn't disagree with the notion of, hey, do we need a wake-up call to some degree in terms of like getting our game back? He, he mentioned how they've slipped a little bit in terms of how they're playing, but you still give credit because they picked up a lot of points through a tough schedule and all that, and you had a nine-game point, nine point streak going. But it, it almost felt like, not that the coach saw this coming, but kind of saw like, hey, we can't get fat and happy. Yeah. I know he hasn't mentioned that recently, but he alluded to the fact that it's great that we got in here. Now we have to be uncomfortable. We can't feel comfortable. We can't feel like, hey, we're going to be fine. Things are going to go our way. There was a sense of perhaps tonight where it's like, hey, don't worry about it. We'll get back into this. But the Flyers never let that happen. And the time the Canucks scored a goal in the third to make it 3-1, Flyers came right back again and made it 4-1. I mean, didn't let them rest on the power play even. They had a real chance to get back into it, but the Flyers took back. Is that 
could this be one of those things where you go, don't play your best in a stretch, you get a bit of a wake-up call, and you respond? At least that's what you hope for. Yeah, I think that's the coach's mantra, right? It's something that he's been saying, that if you have a couple of games where you're not playing maybe the, the best hockey, but you're still getting results, you don't ex- apologize for that. But even the way he was talking yesterday, it was hinting at, yeah, you know, we haven't played the cleanest of games, and we can clean that up. Now he's going to have more of that, you know, case to build. But, guys, one area that I think over the next couple of days, don't know what the schedule is in terms of practice, but two areas. And they lost a special teams battle tonight, right? The PK of Philly is is really good. Eight shorthanded goals this season, which is amongst the top two in the NHL. Uh, they're very good shorthanded, top five in the NHL when it comes to the PK. You expected that, but giving up a shorty in any game, that just that kills you, right? Mm. You can't do that. Especially in that moment. It's like you're just coming back into it. Yeah. The building's buzzing, down yeah. two, here's this great chance. And immediately it's like Pedersen doesn't look too engaged on that face-off. Uh, maybe he's trying to seal the guy with him and didn't chase after the puck. But nevertheless, and then Brock's like lost on that play. Yeah, and, and it's just all by himself. The other thing is the power play for Philly was bad heading into this one, right? The one for 23. Worst in the league. Worst in the league. So – the special teams battle, I know it's a goal, Zamula, very similar to the goal he scored in Philadelphia. It was almost identical from the point, but, you know, that's an area that's going to be a priority for practice. And Tockett mentioned that as well to say, hey, we got to we gotta change up what we're doing on the power play. Even though they had a couple of looks today, um, I'd expect a lot of focus on that in the next couple of days, whatever they practice. You know what, like that first goal, I actually think the PK's done a lot of good things. That's honestly the one moment this game. I'm like, hey, it happens. Was that Zamula yeah. goal? I through mean, traffic. You know, through traffic. You know, nobody gets a tip in. The Smiths trying to look over it, and he just finds a way to get in. It happens every once in a while, right? What's that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, two last career goals, both, yeah, both against, against the Canucks. Three games, man. Yeah. 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 0.66 goals <laughs> per game. And the other thing, you guys mentioned the power play. Besser didn't play it well, but that's also what's going to happen when you have one forward. We have four forwards on the power play. Yeah. When there's a chance going the other yeah. way, you can have a forward having to play defense, and then yeah, you have him trying to figure out how to defend. I mean, I can understand why a forward yeah. gets caught or caught up like that, but it's bef- it's to me, it's it's a two goals in between that really cost him the game here tonight, and you just can't let those things uh, happen. We have a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. We'll get to that coming up in a second, but before we go- let you go here, uh, Randy, game coming up against the Senators, it is um, January 2nd. Then the Canucks head out on a grueling seven-game road trip. The longest road trip of, trip, trip of the season. And, it's, and you know, maybe it's unfair to even say, considering the team has 49 points here in 36 games. But how important is that game on home ice before you head out on that seven-game road trip in Jan? I think just setting the tone, right? Where Ottawa, a couple of nights ago, last night, if I'm not mistaken, they came back in a game against Toronto. So mm-hmm. they've got the new coach bump. Jacques Martin's back there. They got the... Uh, the the local hero and Daniel Alfredson on the bench. So they're feeling good about themselves to a certain degree. I think starting off the new year the right way is important, but also setting the tone for that road trip. You mentioned it. Uh, it's not an easy one. Seven games. Anytime you go above five, it's it's a pretty grueling one. You're out of town for a couple of weeks. But even though they've played Eastern Conference teams pretty well, I think it's 7-5-1 and one after tonight. Um those are not some. Those are not easy matchups. Yeah. There's some back-to-backs as well. There's a couple of early morning games uh, you've got against Detroit and Washington. So, you know, they're in a good spot, but that that mood can change pretty quickly in a, a Canadian market. So, uh, I think for just setting the tone, you gotta you gotta start off well and just kind of head into 2024 with some good vibes. Because even though you have had a good start here to the season. Uh, you know what the expectation in the city is. Hey, keep it going and yeah. you know, keep those positive vibes going. So I'm not overly worried about that game in, in the sense that it's going to set the tone for the rest of the season, but it's you want that after after this game where it wasn't a good game. No, it, it really wasn't. But, Randy, 
you as always, fantastic job on the call alongside Brendan Bachelor, and we'll say Happy New Year to you. Uh, thanks for all your contributions this year. We look forward to 2024 being far more successful and a lot more fun, and that begins on Tuesday, next Tuesday, on home ice against the Senators. Thanks very much, boys, and Lena, of course. It's always uh, fun to hang out after the game a little bit, and to the listeners, without you guys, uh, you know, it's not as fun, and I'm sure the inbox is really mild-mannered right now, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, you know. People have a lot of uh, year, holiday guys. cocktails, maybe some uh, some crankiness over spending too much time with the relatives over the weekends. But uh, who knows? Who, amongst who knows? Us. <laughs> who amongst us? No, no, I mean, it's always fantastic. All right. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 65650. Fantastic stuff from uh, Randy Jan. You can also grab a phone line 604 280 0650 or toll free 1 275 0650. And looking like you had too much fun in the holidays, that's what the text inbox is saying about the players tonight. This one says they looked flat, Miller looked rattled, and Pedersen seemed like he was still on holiday. So a lot of takes about the Canucks uh, not being quite as engaged as they needed to be against the Ottawa, I mean, against um, the Flyers. Yeah, I don't want to do the whole Pedersen thing again because we've done it for a couple of games here. There's uh, a lot of Pedersen criticism. I actually thought he was, you know, look, they don't score, but there were a lot of moments where he's trying to engineer offense and. I mean, that line. Just unlucky. The, the Mikheyev, Patterson, Kuzmenko line was the Canucks' best line. Yeah. Now, maybe a low bar to cross because, you know, I don't think any line was fantastic. But they generated chances. Mm-hmm. Kuzmenko mentioned the chance, the pass he made to Mikheyev behind the net. And I don't know how Mikheyev doesn't score, really. I mean, that usually should be a goal seven, eight times out of ten. It wasn't. Patterson had the first shift in the second where he's deking his way. Or not first shift. Early in the second where he's deking his way from behind the net. Around guys, try to sweep it out front. Yeah. Uh, I think it was to Mikheyev on the back post. It just kind of rolls off his stick, but like there were moments from Elias Pettersson tonight that, especially in the first period, I, 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 uh, I don't he was think he really was strong. I don't think he was great, but I mm-hmm. thought he, he did fine. The issue was there was wasn't a single player here mm-hmm. that really took charge of the game, and I, I know I've railed against the notion of dragging you into the fight. For me, it's not, it's not even about that. For but me, when, it's more about yeah. for me, it's more about can one of your star players take over the game? Yeah, you know, and, and I think. This game was begging for that from some somebody with the Canucks, and nobody was able to do it. When it's the star players that drag people in the fight, you don't mind. No, it's, of course. It's like, oh, you're leading by example. It's, it's when it's always the third, fourth It's like Antoine riders. Roussel. His yeah. guys are dragging you into the fight again. Like, come on. That That is an issue. Uh, 650-650. Dan from Calgary. Canucks were out coach night. Also stupid plays and brain farts. Torts put pressure all over and waited for the Canucks to be dumb and make mistakes. That's Dan from Calgary. 650 six. 50. You can see early on the Canucks just didn't have it tonight. Trevor from Winnipeg. Uh, and Ian, we, we take the jokes per 60. Knock-knock, uh, <laughs> Sat. Who's there? Nobody. Oh, that's very good. No, hang on. You said nobody who? Who? Nobody who, yes. I thought nobody. Nobody tested Carter Hart. That's from Ian. Well, actually, McKayev had a good chance on Carter Hart. Yeah. And then there was another chance. Who was a suitor who had one uh, net front? And we're, we're, you you looked at me and said, uh, they're not going to be able to score anymore tonight. Like, yeah. There was a couple of chances. Carter Hart made a couple of saves, I will say. But I did think the Canucks had a, a lot of trouble getting to the middle of the ice tonight. They really did. And that's where... In the offensive zone, the Flyers control. Like I don't think the Canucks were bad in front of their own net defensively. Like it was a rush chance that went in. Mm-hmm. One was on the power play. The, the puck kind of finds a way to go through. The other one, you know, we mentioned the Brock Besser one. But outside of that, like I don't think it was bad in zone defending in front of your own net. But they were certainly not being able to get to the to the home plate area in front of the Flyers net. And give the Flyers credit for how well they were boxing out. But but that to me is is a more about the will side of things, which I think the Canucks were kind of lacking. That I'm willing to take the punishment to go where I need to go offensively, and that just wasn't quite there tonight. 
Uh, 650-650, tough to watch. We got schooled. Rick can thank Keith Jones for another wake-up call. 650-650. Ian, huffing and puffing, too much stuffing. Ian's putting in work in the office I like it, today. Ian. Ian coming in strong here. This one says, can't win him every night, boys. Long season still to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No doubt about that. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Let's take a couple phone calls. 604-280-0650 after a 4-1 Canucks loss on home ice against the Flyers. And we'll start things off in Surrey where we have Raj on the line. Raj, thanks for calling in, buddy. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Uh, hey, guys. Merry Christmas. I hope you guys have a happy New Year as well. Thank you. Same uh, to you. Yeah, so today's game, I felt like a lot of them seemed uh, tired, the players. And I just want to talk about the last goal in the third period. Uh, on that play, I really feel like Quinn Hughes wasn't thinking defensively. And obviously, the Canucks have been doing so well over the season. Quinn Hughes is uh all-star for sure. But he was thinking of... Uh, the Flyers moving it back, and uh, Brock Besser wasn't really covering anyone and getting back to the net. So I really felt like that was an opportunity to get back into the game. Uh, and I think that was a blown opportunity. If they could have got a goal on that power play, they would have made it 3-2 and had a chance to come back. Sometimes I just think um, Quinn Hughes, as good as he is offensively, when there's a team that's forechecking very hard, it seems like he's not able to body off the opponent, and he gets taken advantage of sometimes. Uh, that's about it on defense. It seems like that happens a lot, uh, really often recently, and uh, I think he needs to um, like uh, work on that, his bo- um, play on the board. Thank you. That's about it for today. Hey, thanks for the phone call. That's Raj calling in from Surrey. Uh, as far as you know, not getting back into the game, I, I don't disagree. I think there were opportunities for them to get back into it. I mean, you look at it, especially in the third. You score a goal, you make it 3-1. Their goaltender gets injured. Carter Hart has to jump in. You get a power play opportunity as well. The Flyers all of a sudden look like they were on their heels a little bit. And then they just give it up on the power play. Like, that was the moment where if you were able to get that next goal, mm-hmm. you're probably tied. They probably the tighten up. They, they yeah. probably react as if, okay, we got to play more prevent defense. And we really got to lock And then now out. you come at waves at and, the And, and the pressure just starts to mount. You would have had... Uh, look, when did that goal go in? Uh, five minutes into the second period. So third period, so you would have had 15 minutes of just this onslaught if you managed to get a goal there. And we're seeing a lot of three or four goal comebacks in the yeah. third across the league nowadays. So, th- so the door was open for Vancouver, and I, and I don't think they did nearly enough to knock it uh, knock it off its moorings, and they didn't at all, and obviously they ended up losing the game 3-1. And as, as 4-1, and as far as the... Quinn Hughes stuff goes. He has been swallowed up by the forecheck at times, and I don't disagree that the Flyers give the Canucks fits and their defense fits at times with how well they're forechecking. But as far as that pairing goes, Hughes and Heronic, it's really not paying off as well as it was earlier this season. They're still winning it's... games. They have been picking up points. But in a game like this, it's like, all right, not, neither of those guys were a difference maker, and we're seeing as games go on here, Bick, that the coach is also relying on Zadorov and Myers more in critical defense situations. So I think they're aware that they're not playing as, as well as they had earlier. And I do think it's, it's not that it's becoming a problem, but it's certainly an issue that has to be rectified. It's something worth tracking. And again, I, I like they said, it, it's, it's not a problem, but are you seeing the natural upside to it? Because early part of the season... We've seen it the was, upside and the downside. It was dominant yeah. in the early part of the season. And if you're not getting that regularly, then what's the value in keeping it together? Because 
look, it's a lot of money, it's a lot of resources, it's a lot of talent on that pairing, and if you're not getting the best version of it, then it should be explored if they need to be split up. Because good is not good enough for that line. That that, that pairing needs to be great if they're going to be played together. Now, the other question is, especially with the way um, Noah Juleson had them playing, was there a discussion about, hey, you know, Cole and Juleson are kind of going, Zadorov and Myers are finding something. Is it more about just letting those guys kind of go? But with Carson Sousa coming back into the lineup, I think it's going to have to force a bit of a decision somewhere. Like, where do you feel comfortable having a lefty play with a, with another lefty? Because that's going to have to happen. Mm-hmm. And is it just going to be Cole and Susie? As simple as that, and they just keep those guys together? Or are they going to use that as an opportunity to perhaps go away from Hughes and Hironic a little bit? I, I just feel like Susie and Myers will go back together for sure. You think? And, and then you put Cole. Well, it, it's the lowest leverage spot to put Carson and Susie back into the lineup. Yeah, no, <laughs> and they were playing well when they were together. Yeah. Like, I, I think Susie and Myers have been better than Zadorov and Myers. I don't disagree, but the coach seems to be uh, trusting those guys right now. Maybe tonight it's a bit different. Mm-hmm. They had been leading into the game, like I mentioned, in, in some more, more critical moments. Ultimately, it's probably what for, happens as you keep Hughes and Hironic together. For, for how he was playing, I wouldn't mind seeing Susie go up the lineup because I thought he was playing really well prior to the injury. So if he's the one that goes up the lineup, I, it, it's a lot to ask. I think it might be too much in. to ask for him right away. Right away, sure. But, okay, well, then who else is there to play third-pairing minutes? Because it's not going to be Susie and... Is Susie and Cole going to play the least amount of minutes? Well, I mean, I, I could see it. Because Cole right now is paired with Juleson. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and then you just kind of put Susie in there and put Cole on his offside. But I wonder at some point if you if you try to do Hughes playing with somebody else and Hironic on his own pair. Okay, so that's why I asked. generate a bit more doing something different. If it changes the profile of who's playing with Quinn Hughes, do you go back to the defensive style? And is it Ian Cole to go back with? Or to go with uh, Quinn Hughes. I don't mind that. Because Cole can play his offside, and then you do put him with Hughes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind trying to see something like, like that happen. Mm-hmm. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll expand on that, especially uh, when it comes to Philip Hironic. Robin Victoria says, $8 million a year for Hironic? I hope not. Uh, I would rather roll the dice with Bear for, at 4.2 for two years. And uh, somebody else texting in, you um, – you're not hearing, you're not Big Al. You're not seeing many tweets from Hironic's agent these days. A Big Al in PG. We can talk about that, Philip Hironic, and and how he fits in with the team. We'll take more of your text messages and more of the phone calls. 604-280-0650 or toll free one triple eight two seven five zero six fifty. Plus the thoughts of the Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a four one loss against the Philadelphia Flyers here on Home Ice. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the Number Five Orange on Home Your Canucks Sportsnet six fifty. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Behind the goal for Hoaglander. Pressured by Couturier, battling with Sealer. Puck comes loose to Konechny near side, and the Flyers will escape to center. Konechny, left wing, attempts a centering pass. It deflects right circle. They score again. Up in the rush and firing it past Casey DeSmith is Sean Walker off the right wing. An unlucky bounce for the Canucks. Lands right on Walker's tape, and it's 2-0 Philadelphia. And Philadelphia allowed to come through the neutral zone with speed. Konechny makes a pass, but a little backhand chip by Tippett that works perfectly for Sean Walker. And this is unfortunate for the Canucks, but a nice feed by Tippett to Walker, who is coming in 
with speed and goes off the post and in to make it 2-0 Philadelphia. Very easy for Philadelphia to pick up speed through the neutral zone. It's been a problem for the Canucks throughout this game. That is your play of the game brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Canucks go down 2 nothing at the time, end up losing 4-1 on home ice against the Flyers, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network, Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And, you know, to me, it's a play of the game because it's, it's a nice play by the Flyers, good mm-hmm. transition chance, and they score and everything. However, it's one of those things the Canucks have done a really good job of preventing and also defending fairly well. Yeah. And not only did they not prevent it, they also did not defend it very well. And that was a swing of the game. That's your game-winning goal. Yeah, and it, it winds up being a play, too, where, again, as you mentioned, they've, they've prevented being in these scenarios, and Philadelphia lives off this. They're one of the better rush teams in the league this year. They remind me of Seattle from yeah. last year, where Seattle thrived on that. And we've talked about you know rush chances as something that translates to the playoffs. Are they a, a candidate for regression next year? Are they a year ahead of schedule in the rebuild and all these things? But these are the moments that you have to look out for. And it was an interesting play to see how Hronik was playing it there with uh, the puck carrier, Konechny, in that scenario before it gets chipped through to uh, tip it because yeah. he's not really close enough to prevent a pass or make Konechny make a play, and he's not really tracking tip and speed. And it looked like the whole time he had trouble kind of measuring that of do I go with Tippett, do I slow down Konechny, what do I do? And he didn't really do anything in that scenario. And Barry the bandwagon even checks in or uh, texts in here. That second goal, perfect example of bounces going the other way. He chipped it on the backhand with outstretched arms and landed flat on the ice for Walker's stick, uh, that being Owen Tippett. They could easily land it on and bounce it over his stick. Bounces happened, that one did not. I hope no one says that was a beautiful pass. Luck not going the Canucks way tonight. That's from Barry the bandwagon into the inbox, 650-650. Yeah, I, I think uh, that that's not a bad point necessarily. But he made a play to, to at least attempt that because Quinn Hughes comes over yes. to pressure him and tip it. They did enough to he did, send he, it over. He made the right play and it worked out. Yeah, you know, and um, he. I didn't love the fact that Bluger and Hughes both end up in the same tunnel. You okay, know, so and Bluger, okay, he, the puck goes in deep, and JT screams off the ice to get Bluger. Yes, run. and Bluger's trying to jump into the play because Hoaglander has the puck down low. And I'm not saying like Hoaglander you got to be better on the puck. Turnovers happen, all that sort of stuff. It's 200 feet from your net, but as he's trying to reattach to the play, that's when. The, the, the change of possession happens. And so now Bluger's got to get back on his horse. I don't know if he was ever going to uh, catch Walker. Well, to me, it wasn't even so much about catching Walker. It's about which lane to kind of occupy on, on the way sure. you're coming back into the lane. Because if you're going a little bit wider, then you're probably taking that pass away a little bit. To me, it was more about taking the pass away mm-hmm. as opposed to you know really getting in front of him. But, hey, again, it's, it's, a, it's an odd man rush going the other way and ultimately cost the Canucks big as they lose 4-1. It was 2-0 at the time. And that is your play of the game, brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Drive through winter with confidence by switching to Toyo Tires, making tires for your road. Visit Delaney's OK Tire today on Fraser Highway in Langley. Uh, keep getting your thoughts to our text in the inbox. You can also uh, get your calls in, 604-280-0650. We are going to go to the phone board in just a moment. But before we do that and, and get it to the head coach, what are the people saying to our Dunbar Lumber text in the inbox pick? Canucks were slow, dopey, unprepared coming off the break. That team still lacks some basic amount of professionalism. It must be driving Tockett nuts. That's unsigned, 650-650. Bo from Burnaby, if Tockett preaches accountability, then Besser needs to be demoted to the fourth line. Looks disinterested, slow, and directly responsible 
for one and a half goals. That is uh, Bo from Burnaby. Uh, Jeremiah, did, did you notice they didn't clear off the boards? Instead, made many giveaways aplenty right up the middle. Certainly, the Zadorov one. You referenced that it didn't seem as quick this evening. Yeah. Like, there were a couple moments even for Noah Juleson where we've we've credited Noah Juleson. He got swallowed Making fast times. plays yeah. and just taking the first pass that's available. Suddenly, you're up the ice because everyone can react to the first play. There were a couple of moments in his own zone where he kind of held on to it retreated yeah. and, and got himself in the in, in trouble and then obviously later on uh in the uh first period where he's kind of walking the blue line and it's Lawton who steals it and like he again he had a warning earlier in his own zone where frost gets yeah. a hit on him because he holds on to it too long that one later is, is the one that really stands out of you know Lawton strips you goes the whole way uh, winds up crashing into the smith in that play there were moments throughout the course of this evening where they could have been uh, quicker and, and cleaner with the puck. Yeah, certainly. Like this text, unsigned giveaway clinic. And yeah, mm -hmm. uh, far too many of those here tonight. All right, we'll get back to more of your text messages coming up in a few moments. But let's go to the phone boards. Let's go to Grand Prairie where we have Travis on the line. Travis, thanks for calling in, buddy. What are your thoughts tonight? Hey, guys. Oh, it's just frustrating. I know it's the first game after a break, so they're going to look a little lackadaisical. But they didn't look like the same team as 8-1 the first game of the season they were mm -hmm. sticks in lanes like they were aggressive they were hungry and then the other thing i don't understand is fires already beat them for nothing did they forget about that game like that's what i don't understand how they were it's okay to be a little bit rusty after a break but mentally they should be hungrier and they shouldn't expect to be able to beat the flyers that's the frustrating thing for me secondly um when they weren't clicking i knew kuzmenko was going to get uh shorter shifts and less ice time and my favorite player Brock had a terrible night and he never missed a shift so that's what I don't like about my Jack Adams winner of the year thanks guys uh, thanks for the phone call uh, that is Travis and Grand Prairie so uh, basically I mean, you can't bench everyone you can't no I, and, and here's the thing has Besser he, is there a difference between having a bad game or a bad trend and usually the guys the talk it has been tougher on aren't guys that have had a bad game here and there. It's more about bad trends. Now, he did bench JT Miller a little bit because of the bad penalties, and he mentioned accountability uh, for the end, final five minutes of, of a second period against Nashville. against Nashville. But outside of that, I mean, you know, we hadn't really seen uh, any of the top guys be reprimanded in such a manner, really. So I would say, has Besser earned enough cr credit in the bank with the coach that a performance like this isn't going to necessarily demote him right away. Yeah. And I think that's where it's at. Now, Real simple. And you know what? The funny thing was, I tweeted this out in the first period. I thought Besser was actually doing some good work along the walls early. He made a good play to JT Miller on one of the kind of half chances the Canucks generated. He gets the puck on the half wall inside the blue line, and he holds off his check, real, real, real good body positioning, buys enough time for JT Miller entering the zone, drops it off to him. So you saw some of the things that he does do well, but I do agree he didn't have a strong game after that, and he wasn't really playing all that great. But I do think when a guy has scored as many goals as he has, has been credited by the coach for his details, and has trusted in late-game situations. One bad game, as bad as it may have been, is probably not going to send you down. And I think that's not necessarily – I don't think that's bad coaching. I just think that's kind of how it goes. All right, uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Um, and we'll get to more of your thoughts, but let's get the thoughts of the Canucks head coach, Rick Tockett, after a 4-1 Canucks loss here on home ice against the – Philadelphia Flyers, and here he is post game. Yeah, bad first period. We weren't invested. They were, uh, they came at us, and we didn't have any push. Then the second, I thought 
came back a little bit, and then that five-minute explosion, right, those three goals, huge mistakes. What do you want the team to take away from a game like this as you move forward? Well, we talked about it's going to get harder and harder, so this is a a learning lesson. You know, uh, we just got to be more invested in the game. We weren't invested. You know, it's it's not even about the loss. It's It's I think we were a little... There's some parts of our game wasn't good, obviously, and we got to get back to the drawing board. You moved Suter up the lineup later in the game. What were you seeing from him, just, or just trying? To I didn't see anything him? from anybody. Just trying to get people going. Uh, how important are these next few days here, getting some time to actually practice after that game? Yeah, no, it's big. I mean, like we, all us coaches complain we don't have enough practice, but we haven't had many practice the last couple, two, three weeks. And it, it kind of showed on certain, you know, some some plays there. there. Um, but hey, listen. You know, other teams, same thing. They get the same schedule sometimes. I think all the lines were kind of shaken up in the third period. Aside from that, Joshua, uh, Luger, and Garland line, is there a reason you wanted to keep that line together just from their former play or from? Well, just the way they've been playing. I mean, they've been, they produce every game. So, I mean, I'm not going to break that line up. Coach, you talk about things getting harder. Yeah. Would you define that in terms of the intensity you're going to see from other teams, especially given your standing? Or do you also see it in terms of time and space on the ice and games being a lot tighter? Well, it's, it's owning your – you find it's time and space, but owning that space. You know, and it's winning a battle. It's um, boxing out. It's, um, you know, making a smart play. It's getting the puck in deep and getting on the forecheck. It's, that's, that's the hardness of the game. It's not – you know, the game's not played with, uh, you know, one or two steam bolts, take your time. It doesn't work that way. And I, I you know, listen, you know, it's – we're all disappointed in the loss. We just got to make sure that this doesn't, you know, faster. That's all. Big picture. You feel confident moving with your team forward, or do you think there's still work to be done in that? There's always work to be done. I mean, yeah. Like I said, you know, it's a, uh, you know, Philly put their work, work, work boots on. We talked about it, and uh, we didn't match that work workman uh, attitude in the first period. And then obviously that five-minute stretch, you know, just gave them goals. You mentioned the worry about Fester. I mean, you've got yeah. all those days off. Like you said, you get to practice. But mentally, will that be a hard thing on your team to think about? They, they'll think about this game for you know several days. They won't be able to get to the next. Oh game. yeah, no, I don't think so. I think you know, I think you know, a couple of really good practices. You know, get some good dr- battle drills in there. Uh, you know, I think that's something important. You know, we get a little bit of some drills where we can, you know. We can win some battles under pressure. Like, I mean, we, you know, the game is winning battles and, and, and making plays under pressure. And um, we're going to have to simulate the next couple of days. Were, were both these losses to these Philly teams the same kind of frustration? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you know, they, 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 they lay their cards on the table. We're coming at you. And uh, so we shouldn't have been surprised. In the first period, for some reason, we were on our heels. They seem like a team that's just waiting for you to make a mistake. Yeah. That first period and part of the second period, it just felt like both teams were just waiting for the other team to make a mistake, and the Canucks blinked first. Do you think there is a tendency with your team, because they've been so high scoring, to try to force <laughs> plays when the game is like that and force themselves into mistakes? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, I think I've told you guys before, we've got to be comfortable playing a 0-0 game. You know, who cares? Like, and just take what's given. Um, you can't get frustrated. You know, you can't get, you know, because people are in your way or people are hitting you, you cannot get frustrated because 
it's going to get ramped up even more than this game. And I think that's and that's the learning learning lesson we're talking about. So, um, yeah, frustration when another team works hard and you're frustrated, you, you got to be careful of that. I'm not a big fan of that. You just got to keep working and working. Making the smart play, take what's given. I thought a couple of times we could have got the puck in deep and went and got, you know, put pressure on our D, and we made some east-west plays. Some guys are trying to stick handle through the whole team. Um, just, you know, things that we don't like. You know, we most of the year we haven't done that as much, but I felt tonight we, a handful of times, we did some dumb things, obviously. You guys saw it. You get the goal from your third line. The top six seem to be having trouble getting to the middle of the ice. Yeah. Um, was it because of what you're saying, that east-west play, trying to stick handle, or, or was there something else about what the Flyers were doing to protect the middle of the ice? Well, I mean, those guys are going to have to get used to it because teams are going to check them even harder, you know. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, I mean, yeah, they you know, listen, they've, they've done a nice job uh, this year, half the year, but it's going to get harder for them. they got to understand that, you know, we're going to have to play a certain style sometimes. If things aren't going your way, you're going to have to play a north st- style and just and just chip away at it. You can't. Because you you know you're not getting a lot of shots and and it, it's a, a stalemate type of game. You got to stay with it. You got to have that resolve. You can't just oh I don't like what's going on and then I'm gonna start toe dragging people. I'm gonna try throwing pucks in the middle. Like you can't you know you got to have that mentality to, to if things are like at a stall. You're okay. You know I think that's the the next level for this team. You've been one of the surprise teams in the NHL so yeah. far this season. Uh, do you anticipate it getting harder going forward with teams, you know, seeing your record and, and not catching them by surprise going forward? <clears throat> yeah, you know, like I said, uh, you know, we've got a good record, and uh, any team that plays us, they're gonna they're gonna play their A game, and we got to make sure we have our A game for sure. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 4-1 loss against the Flyers here at Rogers Arena. And, you know, the coach obviously not too happy. Uh, he said, I didn't see anything from anybody. He's trying to get something going. He didn't he didn't like anybody's he, performance he, he at all. He happy to get ready for a couple of practices. Uh, very excited about practices uh, and mentioned how... Uh, Three days left in the season or in the year, and he says, a couple of practices coming up. <laughs> and he's so excited for it. And he mentions they haven't practiced enough, but other teams have the same mm-hmm. issue when, when they have a tougher schedule. And the Canucks have played a lot of games, obviously, so far this season. But they don't play until on Tuesday. They have, they have plenty of time here to get their game in gear. And, you know, that, that game on Tuesday takes on a, a level of import when you look at that seven-game road trip coming up. It's not going to be easy in the seven-game road trip either. You know, they have a back-to-back coming up. Now, albeit it is in New York, not a lot of travel with the three games uh, in, in very close vicinity uh, in four nights. Mm-hmm. But we've talked a, a lot this season about that first trip, sorry, that first game on a road trip, whether it be four games, six yeah. games, seven games. That first one's important. Because, or sorry, that first one's difficult because you know the travel legs and yeah. are, are you totally there? So as you mentioned, this game kind of takes on some importance here. You certainly want to go into the road trip with some smiles. That if the first one does lag a bit, well, hey, look, you just won the last one. You're not trying to prevent a three-game losing streak. And there are correctable things. You mm-hmm. know, the coach mentioned that too, and he wasn't happy. And he says, "Hey, we." We knew what to expect. We should have been surprised by the Flyers, but for some reason uh, we were on our heels. Uh, and that's what the coach mentioned. But he did kind of reiterate, and I know you really like the last question there about 
how much harder it gets at this point in the season. You he, have he, he made reference to that a lot. Yeah, and he did. It's like it, it, and he mentioned this even before the game. They have to be comfortable and uncomfortable. So they have to be mm-hmm. uncomfortable. They can't be you know and just feeling comfortable in all these situations. And they have to find ways to fight through it. Uh, he didn't seem impressed at all that they couldn't navigate their way through a stalemate type type of game. And something, you know, we talked about him praising, which is, hey, live to fight another shift. And this is the type of game where you had to. It's boring to watch. It was boring to... to really evaluate even because not a lot was happening. The devil was in the details. It, it really was. Yeah. And it was the Vancouver Canucks that came apart at the seams in the second. And then they were getting frustrated. And he mentions, you can't get frustrated when the other team works hard. That's not an excuse. You just go work harder. You got to respond. You can't just get frustrated because somebody else is working harder than you. That's on you. That's not on that other person. So it's very clear that he expects that things are going to get harder for the team. And he, I think he gave a pretty good warning that if you think this is hard, it's only going to get a lot harder. So that's what I meant when I was referencing earlier of like, hey, the, the Phillies in the tier team where the Canucks can't relax. Yeah. Because later on this year, you're through like the, the opening adrenaline rush. And now you're into the dog days of the season. But you, you know, keep picking up points the way you go and they're probably going to the playoffs. But at some point, you're going to get teams ramping up, and and that's what he mentioned that hey, like the, you're you're going to get it, like it's going to get ramped up here because you're going to get teams looking at the finish line saying yeah. hey, we're actually a chance to go as a number one seed. We have a chance to to go as a three seed. We don't have to go through the wild card. We're trying to make the playoffs. You're going to get teams having different motivations come game fifty. And that's when it's really going to pick up. And then we know what the, the last 20 looks like to sprint to the finish line. So the intensity and the effort from opposition teams is going to be similar to what we saw from Philly tonight. And that should be the lion's share of your opposition. You're not just going to play the bottom seven teams who are out of it every single night. So when that happens, how are you prepared for it? Mm-hmm. And there's going to be moments where it might be 0-0 for some stretches. How are you going to respond? And tonight, when they went down one nothing, it started to unravel really fast. And and I would say, I think part of the frustration, and we're seeing it in the text inbox too, is we've seen better. We know the team can play better, and we know the team can acquit itself well in those types of games and those types of situations. They've proven it, that they, they can do so. So why does it wane from time to time? And the realities are long season. Things are going to happen. Nobody plays perfect and all that. And, and maybe that's you know no more true for Vancouver than anybody else at this point because of how things have gone for them. But at the same time, you know how their schedule has, has also been. You'll, you'll take the results. But certainly things that they can shore up on. And I would say the tests which the coach was alluding to, I'm really excited to see how they respond to. Because I still believe that there's a lot of good here. And I think that coming into the game, we should we should have expected a good performance. Like, my expectation coming into the game tonight, Big, the Canucks will play well. Mm-hmm. They've shown that they play well in these situations. They've shown maturity and professionalism this season. There's a reason why they had as many points as anybody else in the league at this point. But they didn't live up to their end of the bargain. And that doesn't mean that my evaluation process was bad, I don't think, because I still think the team has proven more good than bad. But you got to respond was, to this now. There was a lack of excuses coming to this game. I know we had that call earlier from Raj saying, hey, they look tired tonight. Well, there's really no reason for them to be tired. They just came off five days. So if you were lethargic, that's a you problem. There, there's not built-in excuses of travel, different cities, difficult scenarios, three games and four. There was none of that. So they shouldn't have been tired and, and didn't talk it. Didn't use that as an excuse. Didn't reference it. Just mentioned 
you were under pressure. So yeah. you got to make plays under pressure. And tonight, they did not. No, they certainly didn't. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650, Brandon and Poco. Rick Tockett said he didn't notice anyone going tonight. He was not the only one. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> uh, this one here, the Canucks were cooked. There were the turkey and the flyers brought the stuffing. <laughs> Gary with tired fingers texting in. Uh, 650-650, Sean from North Van. Canucks look slow, physically not ready. Uh, good spanking and experience. Video review and move forward. Have a memory of the goldfish. Some Ted Lassoing uh, coming in. Be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. Just uh, forget from, about it and move on. Uh, from Sean in North Van. Yeah. Uh, I know we got a text from Dino a bit earlier. Uh, he mentioned that on Money Puck, the Canucks actually won this game in terms of expected goals and expected against. They didn't quite get some of the balances. It wasn't all that bad. And I and I think it's fair to point some of those things out. We mentioned some of the chances the Canucks had. That if they scored on, maybe it's a bit different. Don't make some mistakes. It's a game of mistakes and all that. But the bar has risen, and the expectations are higher for a reason. And they have to be. And just as we were alluding to, and you were just talking about here, Pick, it only gets harder. And how they played to get to this point is no longer good enough because it's not going to be enough. And that's why the evolution has to keep happening. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, you know, you've had your success, especially now where, where the league gets to take a break and everyone gets to look at the standings and say, you know, not that players aren't looking at the standings anyways, but at a natural break, you just say, hey, Vancouver, first and... Goal differential, first and goals four, goals four per game. Having all this run, here they are, top of the standings. All right, like, hey, up until now, until the All-Star break, they probably are going to be one of the hunted. Yeah. And he mentioned that you're going to see team give us their A game. That, that's from Rick Tockett, so we have to be ready. So this next, you know, five weeks up until the All-Star break, th- they should be on notice that teams are going to be challenging them because – as it stands, that you know that they've had their success to begin the year, and now it's going to be a chance for teams to say, "Hey, is this a measuring stick game?" Even though you know preseason yeah. odds and all that, but if you look at the standings, Canucks are amongst the league's best, so teams are going to look at them and say, "Hey, is this a measuring stick for us?" Absolutely, and teams know they have to be on top of their game when you're facing Quinn Hughes and you're facing the, the talent the Canucks do have up front. The other thing he mentioned, I, I wanted to hit on, and he kind of scoffed at the question about the third line because oh, they stayed they stayed together. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, "Well, they've been scoring every game. I wasn't going to split them up." It was kind of a curt. It wasn't curt, but it kind of came off a little bit curt at the end with how he uh, kind of really just shut it down. Any notion of splitting those guys up, and, and that kind of shows you. As we were talking about Besser before mm-hmm. Tockett came on, about he's done so many good things that having a bad game is not going to, you know, have him demoted. And you kind of heard that about that line, too. Yeah, then maybe they didn't score. Maybe they didn't have their best game. But with how well they've played, I wasn't going to be yeah. you know, breaking them up. Well, look, Bluger does get the goal. But I'd be interested, though, in the matchup. Yeah. Because we talked about that last game. Of, hey, okay, they're having so much success. And, you know, there's a demand when you're having success, go get a promotion. And was their promotion go play as a matchup rule? Well, tonight they started versus Couturier line. And by minute 25, it was over. That experiment was over. So are they better served, which is, I think, extremely valuable, better served to just go crush other teams' depth and say third line versus third line, third line versus fourth line, go win that matchup. They're obviously having success and scoring goals doing it. Do you do you build a team identity out of that and say we can win with our depth versus depth? Or can they be the matchup role? Because now we, we got to see it tonight, and it didn't really work up against Couturier. Let's expand on that on the other side. And the other thing about that is we talk about how the players have to find ways to evolve. 
does do the coach does the coaching staff have to evolve and better optimize the use of their lineup? Is that something they can do? Based on what we talk, talked about mm-hmm. here, how to use your matchups, we can discuss that. We'll get to more of your text messages, more of your phone calls, 604-280-0650 or 65650 on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. And we'll get to more player audio as well post game after a 4-1 loss. You are listening to the Canuck Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports too. More coming up on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Base off of the Flyers zone. To the right of Carter Hart, won by JT Miller, but jumping forward off the faceoff is Ryan Paling. He dumps it into the Vancouver zone, skates onto it near side. Passes into the slot. Here's a chance all alone. Great save by the Smith, but they score on the rebound. A shorthanded goal in front of the net by Garnet Hathaway, and it's 4-1 Flyers as the Canucks lost Hathaway. He was all alone in front. Great work by Paling to get to the puck. And the Flyers score on the PK to reestablish their three-goal lead. And this is going to be especially frustrating as the Canucks do win the faceoff here, but Ryan Paling just gets on his horse and starts chasing down the puck as Quinn Hughes is going back and beats him to the puck, slams the brakes, and makes a pass to Garnet Hathaway all by himself. You know, like I said, uh, you know, we've got a good record, and uh, any team that plays us, they're going to they're gonna play their A game, and we got to make sure we have our A game, for sure. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 4-1 loss on home ice against the Flyers, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network, presented by the number 5 Orange. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Um, we are going to get to the phone boards coming up in just a moment, 604-280-0650. But before we do that, and before we get to our discussion about the third line with Connor Garland and how the coaching staff may best optimize this lineup, let's get to the text inbox. Dunbar number 650-650. And what are the people saying tonight, Vic? Isaac and Abby, Flyers... Seemed extremely well prepared. They were reading the Canucks like a book, beating them to pucks, jumping the passing lanes. Good thing is after the last loss to Philly, the boys got points in nine out of the following ten games. Brandon, Flyers are a good team. Very strong rush game, always pushing the counterattack. That style of field creates problems for us. Brandon and Vancouver, even Rick Tockett mentioned, they were taking some steamboats on the puck too. And obviously skating themselves in problems, passing themselves into problems. Uh, this one, Phil in Alberta. Tonight was a night where you can see the power play. Why the power play? Close to the bottom of the league. Beyond predictable. Need a net front guy. I'm still banging the Lawson Krautstrom. Uh, that's Phil <laughs> in Alberta. Wants to see an acquisition. Uh, and finally, uh, call in from Chilliwack. I mentioned there were some Pedersen texts, so I'll read one here. Uh, Pedersen needs to humble himself, so he thinks he's worth $11 million a year. $11 million a year and playing inconsistent throughout his career. Consistency has been a major question. He thinks he's better than he is. All right, yeah, and uh, some people, uh, somebody else texting in, Pedersen's not elite. A number of text messages, texts like that as well. All right, uh, we'll get to more of your thoughts on the text inbox, 650-650. Uh, but before we do that, let's take a phone call as well. Let's go to Karam in Vancouver. Karam, what's happening, buddy? Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hello? Hey, how's it going, man? Good, good. How are you guys today? Good, good. You know, of course, it was a tough loss. Hopefully the power play gets going soon, I think. In my opinion, hear me out. Put Miller in the bumper play. And then Pedersen get starting the plays up in the point with Huggy. 
Yeah, that's what we want to see. Hey, thanks for the phone call. Uh, Corral, okay, thank you. Paul, yeah, 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 you got it. Um, so they tried Pedersen a bit in the bumper. Yeah. I actually thought it was kind of interesting. It was. They weren't able to generate a lot, but I did think it gave a bit of a different look. But there was the chance Kuzmenko gets it to Besser yes. across crease, and Brock should probably score that goal. And he kind of fans he on fans it. He fans on it. It goes wide. But it was interesting, a nice little wrinkle, because you saw the attention yeah. it created for uh, the Flyers. There was a lot of focus uh, on Elias Pedersen and the play side defenseman jumps high up into that bumper spot and that puck goes low to Kuzmenko opens up the space to get a cross crease pass. So there was a lot of attention given to Elias Pedersen. I, I wouldn't mind Pedersen in the bumper. I, I'm not saying all the time, but if they're trying this movement spot, if you're trying to get him away from the right-hand wall where he's effective with his one-timer, he can go up and down that side. Yeah. The next best spot for him to me would be the bumper. For because, JT, yeah. Or no, like no, for, for, for Pedersen. Because yeah. he can – look, he's – quite good at directing traffic. He is, yes. And he can take a pass really well, make good decisions. Is this stick too long to get, like, shots off quickly enough in that spot? I'm not talking about being, like, the trigger guy. Right. Right? Like, we've seen some guys, obviously Horvat here had success. Brock's had some success here recently. You can go across the league. Like, a TJ Oshie's had success being yeah. the bumper guy. Uh, I more mean, like, a Patrice Bergeron style, where you can be a facilitator in that. Or, like, your back is almost a goal, and you're just playing off of the flank guys and the D-man. Like you see Bergeron the past couple of years. You know, he's he's done that a lot. Yeah. If, if Pedersen was ever going to play the bumper, that's how I would view it. Now, that requires a lot more activation from the wings, which we don't necessarily see, but it's something you can explore. Yes. No, I, I don't disagree. I, I think you can explore different things. And I think when this power play is at its best, and we haven't seen it at its best recently, they generate more of that movement. And not just quickly, it's like they'll give – you know, a few beats in the same mm-hmm. spot to be able to generate a chance and a, and a look at the very least. Uh, a bit more of that at times tonight. And I'm, I like JT in the bumper spot, too, with his shot. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think JT could very much do what Bo did last year, if that's what you want to ask sure. him. His shot's incredible, and I think he'd, he'd score a bunch if you put him in that spot. But he's also so effective coming downhill and playmaking off the wall. They have some options. The power play, however, hasn't really found its top gear in recent games. Um, now, before we get back to some text messages, a lot of thoughts coming in. On the third line, mm-hmm. the coach gave some praise, says he's not going to break them up. Did we see them get utilized in a situation we wondered about? And how do they fare, did you think, Vic? So this is what's interesting when you have a stretch of the season where you've clearly had success. And now, okay, we're, we're going to the playoffs, assuming things even go 500 from this point forward. And now you can try to test some things. You can experiment. We, we talk about the experimentation in the opening 20 games of, okay, let's just get the, the, the pairings right, the, yeah. the groupings right. And by and large, you kind of have an idea, okay? Like, Patterson and McKay have going together because Mike goes floated up and down. Miller and Bess are going together. We'll float the other winger down. But you found something in this third line. And you got the grouping right. Okay, now you got to find the utilization correctly. And this stretch is going to be test and assess. So you put him out in a matchup role, and I think early on it didn't go well. Later on, they start to have more zone time. And even when they had zone time, a lot of it was on the outside. It was yeah. overly... Canucks had real trouble getting to the middle of the yeah. ice. Yeah. So they, they had the one shift where it ends up being Noah Jolson walking the line and gets poked away by Scott Lawton. But that line was the Bluger, Garland, Joshua line out there. And it was a lot of zone time, but a lot of skating on the outside, yeah. not a lot of generation towards the middle of the ice. So in a matchup role tonight, to me, they don't get a passing grade. So 
you test something, and you have the luxury of doing that because you're so far ahead in the standings, how many more chances do you get to do this to say, okay, how do we use, how do we want to use these guys? And you know what? They tried JT in that spot. Mm-hmm. And what did we mention about JT? We said, hey, as much as yes, he can handle that role and he's had success. Is that best utilizing him? And do you get more value throwing him out there at times against the bottom six? Okay, yes. But is that line designed to be a matchup line? Uh, no, not necessarily. But is is the third line even with Joshua no, and Garland? Also, right? Like, well, we're and, talking and, about JT, but it's like the the league's leading goal scorer, or near the top of the league goal scorer, is on that line, and he can be effective defensively, but his primary responsibility is scoring goals. And I think you you, you rather have them in more mm-hmm. offensive situations. But and, and Nils Hoaglander is not a solution defensively. No, and you, we saw him again in the third period. Pew Suter's mm-hmm. playing on that line. And it's the same story all, every game with Hoaglander, even when he plays well. Later in games, nine times out of ten, it's somebody else taking a spot for reliability, either trying to get back into the game or trying to nurse home a lead at this point. But it also speaks to what's your best option? Because right now, and Jay and Poco says, Sat looks like the Pablo Escobar waiting meme as he waits for <laughs> Petey to show up and convince us he's all worth $11 million a season. Jokes aside, what happened to this top six? And it's a great, great, great text from that's Jay great. and Poco. That's fantastic. Uh, and that's the – I think, the you know, he hits, hits at, at the crux of it. What's happened to the top six in, in, in terms of their production five-on-five five and winning their matchup because they're not really doing it the same way they did earlier this season? And – What's their best option going head to head? Because I think we can make the, we can say the exact same thing about the third line and the JT line. Mm-hmm. Well, you rather not have them in a matchup role. You rather have them go and eat against lesser opponents. Okay, but so you can't do it with both. If you had to draft, just for the players the Canucks have a matchup line, right? Don't worry about resources. Just commit as much ideas as you want to it as possible. Which three guys would you put together? Like in the league? No, no, just on this Canucks team. If you need to create a matchup line from their roster, which three forwards would you put, would you put together? I'd probably go Bluger down the middle, uh, Mikheyev on one wing, and I would probably put Pew Suter on the other. Okay, that's probably the three I would go with. Now, you've just taken someone out of the top six. And you're taking a center out of the fourth line. Yeah. Which, I mean, you can go Oman, you have Lafferty. Yeah. But then you're breaking up the, the an offensive and, and, third line and, too, right? Like any you, you idea. Go Oman, did you go Oman, Joshua, and Garland as your matchup? No, no, as your like fourth line, and they can go out there and have have some fun or whatever. And then I'm my concerns. <laughs> I'm just saying. But now it's like you you you've put yourself in a spot where it's Kuzmenko, Hoaglander, Besser, Lafferty in your top six, potentially. That's not a great outcome. Uh, again, it's now, imperfect. So the other, the other, like, okay, those were the exact three guys I thought of, right? Of right. like, okay, a depth matchup line. And if you just wanted to go, well, okay, then what's an elite matchup line look like? Is it Pedersen centering Miller and Uh No, I'd say it's Pedersen with uh, Bluger and Mikheyev. So Bluger's on your top line. I'm and just again, saying matchup. I, I'm talking I about matchup. I really like Teddy Bluger. Well, and again, this this comes back to the same thing we're talking about here. It's like a lot of positives, yes, mm-hmm. right? Like the, this team has a lot of things going for them. But what? how is the coaching staff going to figure out how to best utilize mm-hmm. their players and what roles to give them? Because I think they've given them roles in terms of how to play. But in terms of the matchup game, 
Like, I think it's very much a work in progress. And them getting that right mm -hmm. is going to be a big part of the season as well. Because I do think they have the personnel to figure it out, but it's imperfect. Yeah, but and, and there's going to be some trial and error, which is the f phrase I'll use and I'll keep using, test and assess, right? It's prod and see yeah. what works. The thing is, I, I wouldn't mind a miller mckayev Pedersen line. Because I think with defensive players with him, because I think individually he can be a good defensive player in JT Miller off of the wing. But I don't know if he can drive defensive play. I'd love to see Miller be like the second best defensive player on a line. But right now, it's like at times he's being asked to shoulder a lot of defensive responsibility. Tonight in the first period, I thought very disengaged. There were just moments where, you know, the, the, there was a track back on the Bobby Brink net front chance where kind of wrapped in front. You watch Miller in this play, like he's pointing out traffic and he's kind of getting back for the sake of getting back, but he's not occupying any dangerous spaces. It's just getting back for the sake of it. And Brink is wide open on the back post. Yeah. Doesn't turn it in. There's another chance where it was Delorier, I think, on the net front. And JT doesn't really engage with them. Yeah. And so there's moments where, like, if you're driving all the defensive work, clearly the matchup role has been pulled away. The PK role has been pulled away. And, look, I'm not saying that doesn't mean he's not a good player. He's very good. We're big fans here on this show. But... If he's the second or third best defensive player on the line, I'd 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 want to see that too. Well, I do think JT has shown, and we saw this, you know, when he played the wing with Pedersen his first year. Yeah. They were excellent. He was really good defensively. Excellent. He was yeah. really good defensively. He had a very designed role. He had less responsibilities. Just go up and down that line. He forechecked the hell out of players, and then defensively, he was a monster. So he's capable of doing that, but he can't play center doing mm -hmm. that. I, I don't think. Now, mind you. Uh, the, the idea I just had of those three guys together creates all sorts of problems elsewhere because now you've broken up uh, your, your your top two centers are on the same line. And this is where, like, you know, this is the evolution for the coaching staff as well because they've done a great job getting them to this point. Mm -hmm. It's also now about how do you maximize what you have and do you have to make some sort of changes with your deployment and also your lineup in general to get that best, best mix. We mentioned... The defenseman, for instance, when Carson Soucy comes back, especially with Hughes and Hironic not quite being at the level we've seen earlier this season, uh, do they just default to staying with those guys and just putting Soucy into Juleson's spot? And the other question about Soucy is here, Bick, I mean, do we maybe even see him on Tuesday? I feel like that'd be really quick. Yeah, I mean, the coach said he's very close. He needs to go through the pushing and shoving, though. Yeah, and well, there's going to be lots of it, apparently, yeah. in the next few days. <laughs> battle drills over the next <laughs> He's few He's very days. excited. He's very excited about the battle drills, the head coach. Oh, uh, man. Uh, a lot of good reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. Uh, this one says, top six should be really good when they get Celebrini for Pedersen. <laughs> there's been a lot of jokes coming in. Uh, the w one earlier. I'm not sure like those ones are jokes, though. I think there's a lot of demand at times. Be like Patterson, this should be his final year here. Well, I mean, there's there's quite of that. But this one, Jordan from Delray Beach in Florida, Patterson was looking at real estate in Chicago tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and this one says unsigned. One more game like that, and Petey will be asking for a trade to Chicago. <laughs> Lol. Yeah. So yeah, people got jokes for sixty coming in. Really good. But I like it. Again, there's we, we read a couple of of the Patterson texts. Like there's been more. There's been more, and I thought he was decent tonight. Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, I thought that line was was their mm -hmm. best line. Again, a little bit of a low bar because I don't think anybody was like, was fantastic. Yeah, this text from Lucas from Burnaby. 
been trying to defend Petey, but he really needs to wake up soon because these last five or so games, he's been playing like 2020 Louis Erickson. He has more points in the last 10 games than Louis Erickson had in like a whole season. I understand you feel like you need to be inflammatory in the inbox to get your text read. I can assure you, like we see them all, we just can't read them all. But you don't need to come up with the most hair-on-fire take to to get your text read. But there's some of that coming in. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's always uh, criticism around uh, Pedersen nowadays. Um, okay, James Aqualic and Beach, going back to the discussion we were just having. If we always switch lines after a bad game, they'll never have a chance to work out the kinks. Some adversity is not the worst thing for a line or a pairing. I don't disagree. I think we were just talking about, in terms of a true matchup line, like, what's your best version of a matchup line, and can you afford to do that by switching everything up? And I think that's a, a fair question to kind of wonder about. How is the best team best utilized? Because I don't necessarily think they should mix up the lines. It's more about, like, what's your best options right now? Because maybe the best option is staying with what you have and just try to figure it out and kind of splitting those duties. Like, do it but by if, committee like you're doing on defense. If the ways. idea is the, the Bluger line is going to go up against third and fourth lines, okay, great. But at some point, you need to answer the question of who are you utilizing in a matchup role. That that has to be answered at some point because you're going to go to the playoffs, and it's going to be a demand from the coaching staff to try to figure this out. So who's that going to be right now? And it's not Miller, Besser, X, whoever you put there. Do you try to give a run to Pedersen because he's the one that cycled on to Couturier uh, as the game developed? Is that the one that you put out there? In a, in a season where we're asking for more offense from Elias Pedersen, people are demanding more, more offense. offense. You put him in a more defensive situation. But, I mean, I think the it's about contributing to winning. And the funny thing is they are contributing yes. to winning because they, they have yes. won. Not, not tonight, obviously. But they have won a lot more than they've lost. And obviously he's been a big contributor, contributor to that. But what's the best way to keep winning? And I think that's going to be a question that has to keep being answered here. But obviously some good problems to have in that regard. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll continue the discussion on the other side. Plus Ian McIntyre will join us as the Canucks Central postgame show rolls on. Presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central postgame show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Konechny passes back in for Couturier on the right wing. Lost the puck. Konechny followed up. He overskated it too. And Quinn Hughes brings it to center. Floats it left wing for Joshua. Into the Flyers zone. Driving the goal in front for Bluger. He scores! Well, that's a great way to start the third period as Teddy Bluger makes it 3-1 just 25 seconds in. He extends his point streak to seven games. And it's 3-1. And this goal starts in the defensive zone as Tyler Myers makes a good play with his stick that launches the attack. In front well, of just the way they've been playing. I mean, they've been they produce every game. So I mean, I'm not going to break that lineup. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett, after a 4-1 loss against the Flyers, praising the third line. Teddy Bluger getting on the board, lone goal for the Canucks. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show, presented by the number five orange. So your Christmas party is over, but is your night really done? Number five is open. It's Satyar Shah with Bik Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. And we'll go to the thoughts coming up in just a few moments. But let's go to the phone board, 604-280-0650. And we have a couple callers on the line. And let's start things off in Winnipeg, where we have Rod on the line. Rod, thanks for calling oh, yeah. in. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts here tonight, buddy? 
Well, okay, A, I'm from Winnipeg, but I'm visiting my brother in Langley. Oh, nice. Right on. And I've been I've been watching the Canucks for several for like a couple of weeks now. And I've been watching Brock Besser play for North Dakota and Tucker Pullman for years before they came here. And uh, A, the team, I think the team is just fantastic. Um, Like in Winnipeg, we'd love to have um, JT Miller. He's uh, he's a powerhouse. He's like um, Kachuk in Florida. And uh, without that, without JT, in my opinion, the Canucks would be a very, very, uh, they'd be a little bit uh, not as strong, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it, it just, when I'm listening to your show, because I'm from town, from Winnipeg, um, I just think it, no one needs to panic. Like, there's a, it's a great hockey team. Um, you guys need a tough guy, of course. Everyone knows that. And uh, obviously, we've seen Tyler Myers play, and he makes mistakes, but he still is like a plus 10 hockey player. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think the whole Vancouver, you guys you guys don't know what you got. You guys got a great hockey team. That's all I got to say. Hey, uh, thanks for the phone call, Rod, in Winnipeg. Uh, I mean... Don't need to convince us about JT Miller. No, I mean, that, that, I mean that's what the funniest thing. I mean, we've been called JT Miller Central for, for a reason. <laughs> uh, it, the trade discussions of, of yesteryear, but yeah. also uh, the struggles last year and us still saying, hey, this is the guy you keep over Bo Horvat, uh, but nonetheless, uh, and the other poor point. Uh, do it people... is nice though to get a perspective of somebody who's maybe not living and dying by every game. And there's Rod be like, "What are you guys talking about? This team, <laughs> it seems good. This seems pretty good." No, and, and you know the, the team. The, I think the discussion. I think Rod. A lot of people are having is, is isn't so much about is the team good. I think people do believe the team is good. Mm-hmm. Are they a actual cup contender already? Are they working towards being that? How sustainable is all this? And I think part of the re- conversation in Vancouver always persists around 10 years of losing where you've only made the playoffs twice and a couple of false starts along the way. So there's a bit more skepticism and perhaps even pessimism about what's real and what isn't real. And sometimes somebody from the outside would just look at it and say, team looks good. They're winning a lot of games. they got talented players. They might be on to something, guys. And that's kind of what Rod is saying. But, yeah, always a complex discussion. Uh, let's keep going on the phone boards. Let's go to Stuart in North Van. Stuart, thanks for calling in, buddy. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call as always. Uh, loving the postgame show. Um, so I was actually at the game tonight with my brother, and it's the, uh, the first game I've been to since pre-COVID, so it's been quite a while. And so oh, nice. it was cool to see, uh, you know, all the boys up close and whatnot. Wish it was a bit, you know, less of a dud, more of a performance we've seen for the first 35 games or so. But... It was, um, you know, just from the very get-go in the first period, it just looked off. And it, something was something was funky, something was in the water, but Philly came out all guns blazing. And it was just, I mean, every team's going to have a couple of downer games, right? You know, the Rangers, Boston, Vegas, they're all going to have a couple of stinkers. And tonight, this was the Canucks stinker game. So I'm sure they'll bounce back. We're still, you know, one of the top teams, maybe not the best team as we were going into the game tonight, you know, ranked first. But I I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts because just from being in the crowd, looking visually at the players, I mean, Petey, like if I didn't know their numbers, Petey, Brock, uh, and Miller, I would not have even noticed them. And these are the games where, like, you know, if you're a little kind of luggish after the holidays, you kind of need your guys, especially, you know, the contract talks with 
Pedersen coming up, who knows how that's going to go. And just a lot of the people on the ice, you know, I, I felt bad for DeSmith. You know, I know he didn't have a great game, but I kind of thought he was the only one giving a crap. And um, maybe one or two of the goals he would like to have had back. Some of them, that brutal giveaway, and then uh, that led to the goal. And then, you know, they swapped out for a heart in that. We had the penalty, uh, the power play, and then we blow it. And it's like that, you could feel the air come out of the arena. So right now, I'm back at home. I'm drowning my sadness in a bag of Miss Vicky's family-sized chips, and that's <laughs> I'm going to call the night here. But um, I'll hang up, and I'll show what you guys think. But uh, have a good one, you guys. Hey, uh, thanks for the phone call, Stuart, uh, in North Van. Uh, enjoy the chips, too. Uh, big fan uh, late at night. Now, uh, as far as he mentioned the top guys, and this is something, hey, before the game, like I mentioned earlier, uh, on the pregame show, I said this team has, has earned us looking at them saying we expect a good performance. I expected them to come out, and one thing I mentioned was I, I thought we'd see the top six play a lot better, and this is an opportunity coming out of the break, set the tone early. You guys know what happened last time you played in Philly. Be your best players. And we really didn't see enough of that. You know, you you said you liked Patterson and his line in the first period. Yeah. But as the game went on, like, yeah, I mean, th- again, this is a game where your star players could have really taken control, and that never really happened. No. Uh, something just occurred to me though, while Stewart was talking. Is it a concern that it was Philly again? That there's a blueprint all of a sudden where you look at and say, well, this okay, this is how you beat the Canucks. That the same team just did the exact same thing, and they came out with the win. Now we could sit there and say, "Oh, it's you know they they, they have a bogey team. It's the Flyers." But our team is going to watch what the Flyers did and look at the Canucks and say, "Oh, okay, here's the blueprint. Here's the blueprint of how to beat the Canucks." Is that a concern? Hey, uh, until it is a concern if this festers. And the coach himself mentioned, right? He said, "Hey, sometimes it's just a loss." But it can't be something that is a recurring theme. But the fact that it's happened to the same team twice in the exact same manner. Yeah, but at the same time. Is, is there stylistic reasons why they lose to Philly? Well, they forecheck really well. They're speedy, right? They're fast, and they forecheck very hard. I think that's really it. I feel like a lot of teams can replicate that, Sat. They can, but I think they can also match their energy. I don't think their level was high enough. Mm-hmm. Well, you can say that, and you're right. But I don't think Vancouver gave Philly their best punch and were overwhelmed. And sometimes the team has your number, too. It happens. You know, uh, good teams against bad teams or whatever. Things don't go their way or, you know, they're just a bad matchup or whatever it is. I'm just not – I don't think I'm just there to be like, hey, this game shows a lot of different things there. All right. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. 650-650, Dunbar, Lumber. Um, this one says, guys, let's face it. I feel people people are just disrespecting the Flyers. A little bit, Yeah. I mean, full credit to them, because they, they work hard. We've seen them twice now, and it's been very energetic performances. No, they and play. They, and they rile you up. And yeah. They, I mean, JT Miller tried fighting uh, Hathaway right before or right after the 3 nothing goal. Yeah, and the funny thing is, it was right after the 3 nothing goal, but before the 3 nothing goal, uh, he was going after Mikheyev mm-hmm. a little bit, so I think JT was trying to answer back, and once they went up 3 nothing, he's like, well, I'm not going to fight you. But, but he, he jumped on the ice to take a shift with... Uh, Oman and Lafferty. Just because he was trying to get something going. Because he was talking to Hathaway, gave him a a check in the hip, gave him a check in the back, and Hathaway didn't engage. And it was like eight seconds. I'll I'll bring up the the, the shift on that uh, for for JT Miller. But he tried it. Didn't work. And then he kind of skated off sheepishly and out came Pew Suter. But it wasn't, uh, you know, like he was trying to get engaged into that that moment. Uh, It was a five-second shift. 
five seconds to try to rile him, Garnet Hathaway, and get a in, uh, get a fight, and then he he skated right off. Yeah, no, he he tried, and I think obviously it shows that he was frustrated and, and he wanted to get, try to get something going offensively here, um, and also just kind of get get the energy level a little bit a bit higher. But that's what the Flyers do, man. They get you off your game, and you know, like, like Rick Talk had mentioned, they got frustrated. And you shouldn't get frustrated when the opponent is outworking you because that means your level isn't where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And that's something the Canucks were not able to to elevate here uh, tonight. All right, uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, and we'll take a few more on the other side, but let's get to some post-game audio. The Canucks lost 4-1 against the Flyers. The captain, Quinn Hughes, he met with the media tonight. He did get an assist on the lone goal, and that is about the contributions we saw from the team in the office at the end of things. But here is the Canucks captain post-game meeting with the media. Yeah, I mean, um, kind of fell apart for us there in a second. But, um, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? seemed like there was a chance for when you guys get the power play. You score early in the third. What's uh, in your mind what happened on the, the shorty? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, in all of our minds, we're probably thinking we were going to score there and go up 3-2 and give ourselves a chance, and it didn't happen. What do you learn or take away from a game like this as you move forward? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, if there is, we'll look at the clips and we'll talk about it tomorrow and then go from there. They seem like a team that just waits for you to make a mistake. Um, how frustrating it is, is it to play against a team like that, and how can you avoid those mistakes? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, so this morning they got a good team and um, they play a good style that fits them, and I think you kind of hit it on the head there, just kind of waited for us there in the later parts of the second. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing we can do now. Just continue to keep pushing, and um, there's a lot of games left, so that's, that's all I'll say about that. How about your power play tonight? What did you think of some of the looks you guys were? Yeah, I mean, we had some looks. Uh, I don't know, we went 0 for 3. I thought the one in the second period was probably our best one. And um, I tell you guys all the time, it's going to go like that up and down. Obviously, tonight was a down, and... It's up, it's up to us to kind of figure out how to get us back on the right track. This season, you guys have bounced back from performances like this with strong performances in the next game. How do you shake this game off and come back? I mean, I think it's pretty easy. You know, I think we got a couple of days here. Practices should be high paced, and um, you know, this is a pretty, this is a group that's motivated, and you're never going to have to worry about um, not being ready for the next game. Quinn, as the season progresses. They always talk about the ice getting smaller. You're going to see more types of games like this where teams try to stifle you. Do you expect to see more of this as we progress throughout the season? Personally or as a team? As a team. As a team? Um, yeah, I mean, everyone's kind of figured out their system and their game and playing hard. But, I mean, it's, you know, same thing every year. Um, you know, teams are always getting their games ready to go. And, um, yeah, I mean, it never changes, so. That is Canucks captain Quinn Hughes after a 4-1 loss, and uh, you know, kind of summed it up. What are you gonna do? <laughs> you know, it felt like they didn't play well, but what are you gonna do? Sometimes you know things just don't go the way you want them to go. I suppose. I had some high school flashbacks there. I was like, I'm just trying to get to my class. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> so let me get to third period music. Can I please just just get there? <laughs> oh man! But some comments there on the power play too, and. Uh, just mention, you know, the, the, they've, they've been the type of team that uh, shows up for the next game. So uh, something to track as we get ready for Ottawa in the next year. Uh, and, and next next um, 
Next game is coming up on Tuesday against the Ottawa Senators here at Rogers Arena. All right, it's time to bring in the man to close things up for us. We call him the triple threat for a reason. You watch him on TV, you read him on digital, and you hear him on radio as you're about to write now a presentation of Avenue Machinery. He is Ian McIntyre. I'm also good in the kitchen. Oh, I'm not not surprised. Uh, excellent at cutting the grass. Like my lawnmower. And uh, what's your favorite chore? Probably cutting the grass. Yeah, honestly, I was, I was a big mowing the lawn guy. Th- therapeutic. I'm kind of picky about it. You know, you got to change change the pattern. Mm-hmm. You can't can't always cut circles. Or are you an angle? No, I, I've I've got a very kind of linear backyard so i i cut i I cut the same way but different directions different patterns you know don't cut the same grain Uh, i heard you guys laughing when i came in the booth Uh, i wasn't expecting that what was it i I just made a joke what was it oh uh quinn said something to the effect of like bad period what are you gonna do about it (laughs) and i said hold on flashbacks of high school where i'm trying to get to third Third period music, and someone's blocking the door. So what are you going to do about it, Ben? <laughs> I'm just trying to go to class, man. <laughs> just trying to get a passing grade. Sometimes you got to fight through it in the traffic. <laughs> Where do you go to high school? Pine Tree, senior secondary in Coquitlam. Okay. Right. Up on the hill. Is well, it up on the hill? Not up on the hill. Is, that, is it not the school I'm thinking of? You might be thinking of Heritage Mountain. Oh, well, Pine Tree oh, yeah. is, I mean, it's not it's, up on the, it's, it's close to the hill. It's right before the hill. Really yeah, it's right before off. the hill, yeah. But it, it is a higher elevation. Slightly. Very marginally, but yes. <laughs> and Sat, did you go to high school? Yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> did I thought you might have just skipped it, <laughs> no. like, because you knew everything already. <laughs> no. He started talking not. about Corsi in grade 7. They're like, sir, you can go straight, <laughs> straight. to uh, post-secondary. Uh, Corsi and algebra. <laughs> yes. No, algebra wasn't all that great. The Corsi stuff. No, alge- algebra. I found algebra hard. Yeah. Algebra easy. scared me because I was pretty good at school, like, and didn't have to work at it. And then I got to algebra. And it's like, well, this is hard. Yeah, but luckily, because I always worked the system, as you know, (laughs) I found there was a grade 12 math course. It counted as a grade 12 math course called Probability and Statistics, which for somebody who loves sports was fantastic. Yeah, that is great. And I didn't have to do algebra. And I knew I wasn't going to need algebra for journalism school. But did you think you would need as many stats as uh, people use nowadays for sports? Oh, no, I didn't. I, I didn't. And I also didn't think I would reach a point where I would kind of go almost numb to the stats because there's so many. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you now have to be discern. I think be discerning, like pick, oh, yeah. pick the ones that are important, mm-hmm. and try and just not not worry about the rest because it's can kind of make your head explode. At least mine. Well, you can you can make any stat look. As viewers As of <laughs> Sportsnet's broadcast will know when I start talking analytics. Uh, yeah, I, and, and you know what? Like, I think it, there's a lot of value in general having more information to analyze and, and look oh, through. Oh, for sure. Uh, now, when it comes to the game t- tonight, though, I, I don't think there's any analytic that you would look at and you would say, like, hey, what was was this actually? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, Sap, because I did, I did uh, check natural stat trick at one point in the game because it just felt like the Canucks were so awful, yeah, right? Yeah. And actually, the scoring chances were pretty even. Yeah. Uh, all, the, all the metrics 
were pretty even. I thought, and you know, so maybe it wasn't as bad as as we thought. But then you hear you hear Rick talk it after talking about how they just weren't invested, and the players uh, saying, you know, Elias Pettersson told me that they just out they outworked yeah. uh, the Canucks, the Flyers did, and that that can't happen, and and that every team is coming after them with their best game because of what the Canucks have become. And so Vancouver needs to embrace it. That's all from, from Patterson. But, I mean, they were clearly uh, unhappy with their performance. And I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, I've, at times, it's been so long since there's been a successful team. But, uh, you know, I do remember at times where guys were were not that upset, Yeah. you know, with with a, a bad performance. But, you know, the players were taking it hard. And I think that's... I think that's a, a good sign. They know that they need to be a lot better. I think, you know, probably lost in all this is how impressive the Flyers look yeah. as well. No, played really I mean, well. And and when you think, you know, they play that way and they have no game breakers. Like they, mm-hmm. the Canucks have three or four players that they just simply do not have. But you look at their record, they were and they were every bit as hot as Vancouver was coming in. In fact, they had teams that were had identical records in the last 10 games. And uh, I just thought the Flyers were were a much much better team than than Vancouver. So we'll see how they respond. One of the good things that they've shown among the Canucks, among a lot of good things, through these first uh, thirty now thirty six games, is their resiliency and that they bounce back. They bounce back from losses. They also find a way if they're not at their best to still get through it mm-hmm. and and get and get points that tonight was an exception where they they didn't get through it and they got nothing hard to believe the first time since december 5th they got nothing in a game but they got exactly what they deserved which was nothing and we'll see how they respond against ottawa uh one of the things we're talking about was the third line that they got used in a matchup role earlier and which was kind of a departure from what we've seen they've been used to feast on other team's bottom sixes. Uh, your thoughts on their... Then they got moved off it by, like, minute 25. But the first yeah. impression we get of Bluger, Garland, Joshua kind of playing as a matchup line. Well, I, I, I like it. And I, I don't think they're being used as a matchup line because uh, they have exceptional defensive prowess, which is not to suggest that they're not solid defensively. I just think that line has been so good. That mm-hmm. line... That line has been winning its matchups, mm-hmm. even when you don't consider the matchups against uh, lines typically lower down the depth chart. So, uh, you know, I like the idea of of essentially rewarding them and letting them play against lines higher up uh, the depth chart. And I think I think those guys would be fine. I mean, they they produced the goal again, and you know, they 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 looked like at times the only line that was really going for them. You know, the Patterson line had its moments. Um, Not according to the fans. I mean. The the Miller they get very critical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of love for Elias these days. No, it seems. a lot of Bizarre. criticism. Yeah. What would you think? Of, uh, uh, it, it is actually. It, I it don't is get actually. it because I don't think it's yeah, been as bad as yeah, people. Yeah, I don't know if it's a personality thing. I don't know if it's you know contract related. I think a lot of it is contract. He related. said he wants to wait. And I think it's also dare, people. And how dare he exercise his right to wait? But. I think part, but I think I, I see a lot of people questioning whether he's worth the eleven million or the ten million. Yeah, plus. but that's that's another conversation, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that's got nothing to do with 
his, you know, just conflating or, two or, things, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I just don't. I, I don't think that's an an argument that that uh, carries or 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 um, what am I trying to say? I I just think that. You know, you take a body of work over a long period of time, and that's what's going to determine mm-hmm. uh, how much you get paid. And, of course, circumstances, economic circumstances of your team, economic circumstances of the league. Uh, I, I don't think there's this sort of pendulum from game to game. Oh, this game, is wor- now he's worth it, but now yeah. he's not. Now he's not. Oh, now, in it, now he is. Well, maybe he is. I, I just think in the end, it'll get sorted out, and he'll be... He'll get whatever he gets, and it's gonna. If it's not from here, then it'll be from someone else. But it's gonna be, might be more than eleven, but might be twelve. No, it wouldn't surprise me. I forgot what I, was I brought. Yeah, I, I just big, ground the show to a yeah, halt. No, I, I just forgot what I was gonna ask. No, I, was, I, was, I was lost in the uh, was the in baritones of Ian McIntyre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, the, the McIntyre doldrums. I, I did want to ask, yeah. uh, you know, to follow up on just the, the top six conversation, right? Because I did, I I was expecting tonight because we we've seen the third line play so well and they've carried the team the last few games. Coming off the break, this would have been a great time for a team that knew what the Flyers were all about after they were handed their lunch last time they met in Philadelphia. And what a time for their top six to really set the tone tonight. What did you think of the way J.T. Miller played? In yeah, his that line? that line that line struggled, uh, especially, um, and, and J.T. Like I don't. Guys are going to have off games. Lines are going to have off off games. What you want to see is is that they're trying first of all, and that they're you know they're not there's not uh, a negative uh, drag to them. That they're not you know and and with JT especially we've all seen that. We haven't seen it this year, other than the one game he took the two penalties. I mean there's I saw him trying to start a fight. Yeah. You know, get his team going. I saw him throwing hits. I saw him angry at the bench after he got off the ice. But you know, he's a guy who was still doing what he could to to try to get himself involved, get his line going, get his team going. And he's had a great season. And tonight he wasn't, you know, wasn't nearly good enough. And neither uh, neither was that line. I thought that line struggled the most. I wonder long term, you know, has the the Hoaglander uh, I don't want to say experiment because this has been more than an experiment to to let him play with those guys as long as he has. Whether that's coming to an end and we're we're going to see yeah. something else, um, but yeah, that line, you know, neither of their top lines, I thought was particularly good. I did think, as I said before, I thought that Pedersen line had its moments where they created they created something, but the third line was good. And by the way, Bick, I was completely wrong again with you. But you what weren't happened? right, so it's easy for me to say that. On. Uh, when I came on your show this afternoon and said that I thought the Canucks were really, you know, this was going to be a dynamite oh. game tonight. That the Canucks, I didn't say that they, they would win, yeah. but I said I thought that they would really, That's... you know, bring their best and that this, would, this was going to be a really good game. Look, this they, is more about moments when I'm right, not when you're wrong. Uh, okay. So if, if you want to highlight right. it, yeah. sure, but you know, I well, didn't really say that they're going to Well, I was just surprised. <laughs> and actually, until until Philadelphia scored those goals, it, the whole game was just yeah, it was eh. slow. Like yeah. it, it wasn't what I thought it would be coming out of the break. You expect uh, 
typically there'll be some sloppiness, you know, because teams have been off and, and you miss a day and talk, I think Talkett has said this, that he notices even a day, if a team goes a day without practicing, mm-hmm. sometimes he can see it the next day. So when teams are off for three, in Philadelphia's case, they fly across the continent and have a practice and luckily, you know, they, they did have a full practice, but you expect there to be uh, some mistakes with the puck. Uh, but I thought there was going to be a lot more energy, especially from the Canucks, than than what we saw tonight. I thought they were going to be rested. I thought they'd have they'd have uh, their track meet legs uh, going, and and they just didn't. I found that I found that surprised. I think they were probably surprised as well. Yeah, I, I think I mean, and based on everything the coach had said, preparing them for the game and talking about you know. You can't get fat and happy. He didn't say use those that term the last couple of days, but he was kind of alluding to the fact of well, we're you can't all be fat cr- and happy oh, after the last few certainly days. Certainly are, yeah. But it's it's more about I'm not th- happy. <laughs> <laughs> Fatter, not happier. But uh, I, I would say that those are the areas of the game. I f- kind of forget what I was trying to say right. now. Now, but <laughs> sorry about that. They were fat and happy. I'm just trying happy. to think of what Bick said that you know, fat and happy. He said, "I'm not happy." Well, no, I mm. think he's just he's just joking. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just joke maker. All right. <laughs> joke All right. Because I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I, I want you to be well. I'm just trying to get shots up of jokes. Okay. Uh, yeah. It, he's going by the high Let volume. Let me know when you get one. <laughs> going by the high volume of No, I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I do think there was a bit of that and some guarding against the, you know, getting too comfortable. And, yeah. and he mentions having to get uncomfortable as a team. And, and ultimately – Again, they've done a great job to get to this point so far in the season. I think our standards are higher. Our expectations are higher. And just like you mentioned, they're going to be the team that's going to be chased now. So as good as you've been earlier this season, that may not be good enough for you to keep going. So there has to be another level they reach. Yeah, and and every year, and I, I had to cover the league for a while before I really believed this, but there there is a pace. And, and you know, like in big track meets but not olympics but yeah you know big track meets there'll be a rabbit right to to set an early pace in the nhl the rabbit seems to show up in the second half yeah of the race yeah. when people are already tired then the rabbit comes and pushes the pace and everybody starts going faster so there there is there is a cadence to an nhl season and the canucks were the best team at Christmas time, and that's the longest stretch of of sort of a, a singular part of this one part of this cadence, one part of this yeah. eighty two game run. But it's also the easiest and the slowest. And now, from now until the All Star break uh, and trade deadline, that's another pace. And then by trade day deadline to the end of the season, it's just an all out sprint. But now to the all-star break and then all-star break to trade deadline it, it gets it gets faster it gets harder and uh, i think that's what talk has been has been speaking to his players about because a lot of them you know the the only experience they have with that in dealing with it in any kind of favorable manner was the lockout season you know the guys who have been here for a few years and even that was different because they never did have have to have a finishing kick because their season ended at 69 games. COVID season, not lockout season. Sorry, COVID season. You're right. I'm wrong again. And you're right again, Vic. (laughs) 
You should be happy. Oh, it's nice to hear you laugh. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it, it is it is getting harder, and and also the the style will change. You know, the Canucks aren't going to score score whatever it is, 3.86 goals a, a game. They're not going to do that <laughs> down the stretch. You're not going to be able to just because of how teams are playing. So, you know, it, it you have to constantly keep pushing yourself and adapting and getting ready for the next lap because it's going to be harder than the previous lap, no matter how hard you think you've gone. Mm-hmm. And it's nice that they have a cushion. It's nice that the the – main pack is still a distance behind him. I think their playoff cushion is 14 points. No one would have yeah. envisioned that already. Uh, or at any point in the season, to be honest. But it's going to get harder. And and tonight, you know, I, I think it's a good reality check in that way. Uh, you know, they, I don't want to say they, although I did say it in my story, that they have the luxury of having these learning lessons because of the cushion that they've built. You can't have too many of them. Yeah. But they have the luxury of having being in a position where uh, a game like this it it doesn't it doesn't shouldn't throw them into panic. It doesn't change really the overall narrative of what they've done and where they are. Um, but you can't have too many of them. But the key now is is to see what went wrong, understand how hard it's going to get, and they, that they have to be better. And I think they do understand that. But now they've got to execute it. Now they got to show it. Uh, be nice if they show it against Ottawa. Yeah, it, it certainly would. And uh, hopefully they close things off well because they have a big seven-game road trip coming up. And we'll discuss that more in depth coming up on Tuesday uh, on our hit for the final home game before that road trip. But, Ian, always a pleasure having you on the show. This Insider brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the work site. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. And, Ian, Happy New Year to you, and we look forward to your contributions uh, in 2024. It's only the fourth day of Christmas. For what? What do you give on the fourth day? For I'm not going to sing it. Day of Christmas. I have. I don't know. My true love gave to me. Three, I know that's three right. turtle doves. Three turtle two, doves. Five golden rings. What's four? Uh, man. Okay. Someone's going to text Never in mind. and let us. Know. I'm sorry to leave us hanging like that. Yeah. No. It's a uh, nice shoes, Bick. Are those Christmas four presents? Calling birds? Is that four it? calling birds. Four calling birds. Four calling birds. Four yes. calling okay. birds. What's a calling bird? A L- lot of wings. Is that is that like a geese songbird? and birds and doves and yeah, a lot happening. How would you catch those things to give them to somebody? It doesn't make sense. I don't know. I, someone's done the math. I think it comes out to 198 birds or something like that. <laughs> that's a, that's a lot of birds. <laughs> the Audubon Society is not in favor <laughs> of that song. No. Are those are those new shoes, Bick? They look they uh, look wonderful. I bought them before the season because I knew it's okay. I need new oh, rink okay. shoes, so yeah. yeah. People can't see them. They wonderful nice. trying to pump you up yeah he's helping out ian great stuff as always look forward to reading. you look fantastic thank you so much <laughs> he's my ego to, is boosted no, his uh happiness has now arrived for <laughs> bick nazar uh, make sure to read ian's latest on sportsnet.ca he's bick nazar are you back on air tomorrow uh yeah me and israel fair yannick hansen tomorrow at five o'clock uh, people show from three to six no. also I should note uh we, we were wondering what the practices. Uh, 12.15, practice tomorrow. So they're already back at it. No, you know he's excited. Uh, the coach is excited to get these guys <laughs> practicing. All right, all right, a lot of great reaction on the text inbox. Thanks to everybody for listening, participating. Uh, always a pleasure being a part of the show. And this has been the Canuck Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange. Uh, if you can peel your eyes off the stage, they've got hockey, football, and more on the big screens. Special thanks to Eddie back at the station, Lena here producing. This is Satyar Shaw on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.